Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Before we begin, I should warn you that some of you may find what you are about to hear rather disturbing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Until Dawn podcast. My name is Koi, and with me is my wife, Felicia. Hello, everybody. All right. So, I guess spooky season is upon us. It's the end of August. I would say it starts whenever we get back from vacation. Right. I think that's probably early, but (laughs) I try to rush it. Like might be wishful thinking. Yeah. Like I don't want it too soon. We always take vacation in August. Right. But like the last day of vacation, I'm like, okay, now it's fall. Right. Even though it's August. Yeah. It's still. I mean, it's still 80 degrees around here, but. I like to think that end of August is the beginning of spooky season. When they, you know, they start putting out Halloween decorations and the Halloween candy. That's the only time I don't complain about them putting out anything too early. Right, because they put Christmas out usually before Halloween gets here. At least they do here. Yeah, it's usually the like the end of October. Yeah. They put all the Halloween stuff on clearance, which means it's time to buy. And then they uh, start... You know, shoving Christmas down our throats. The Christmas smut. Yes, all that Christmas propaganda. So what do we got going on? It's spooky season. It's busy time. So this weekend we have the Paranormal Campfire. That is with Unknown Paranormal, which is a team local here to the St. Robert, Waynesville, Fort Leonard Wood area. And we work with them. Um, it's taking place in Windyville, Missouri. I have not been there. You haven't either. No, I haven't either. I'm really excited because they do a lot of investigations there, and they've had some really cool things happen. It's a it's a really interesting place, from what I've heard. We yeah. have, like I said, we haven't had the opportunity to go out there yet, but it's one of those locations that, and this is always exciting to me, where you not only are investigating somewhat inside, but you're investigating the outside as well. Right. So many locations are restricted to like an indoor, inside environment, and this is not one of those. Yeah. um, This one's going to be a free event, and I actually posted the link on our Until Dawn podcast page so that people can go and see. But they're going to be doing, we're going to have a campfire. What else? going to be like roasting. Is that right? I don't want to say we're roasting marshmallows. We may not be. We may not. I don't know. I don't know about the marshmallows. (laughs) I'm bringing marshmallows. you know, B-Y-O-M, bring your bring own your marshmallows, marshmallows just in case. You, right. don't, you don't want to be the one guy that shows up or, or gal that shows up and right. doesn't have marshmallows. But what basically we're going to be just kind of like sit around the campfire, tell some ghost stories. There'll be a chance for people to ask questions to the investigators that are there. They're going to do like short investigations in different areas. So we'll break off during the night, go to different locations, investigate, just hang out at the fire. Right. It's going to, I mean, if you have any type of interest in the paranormal or you're wanting to kind of get to know other people right. that are involved in the in the paranormal, this is a great opportunity. It's Plus, a fr- it's free. Yeah, it's a I free mean, event. How often do you get to do free paranormal it's events? Perfect way to, you know, start off the spooky season. Yeah. Um, the address, it's the Windyville Cozy Cottages and Store. Uh, address 2 Moon Valley Road. That kind of sounds creepy, right? <laughs> Windyville, Missouri. Um, yeah, so people should come out and meet everybody from the team. The place is ex- is exciting, and um, 
you know, the event's going to be exciting. Plus, it's a campfire. Everyone loves campfires. Right. It is non-alcoholic, no alcohol. Right. Let me put that out there. Yeah, it's BYOM, not BYOB. Right. So what else do we have? I think that's the main thing. That's the next thing we have coming up. Right. I know um, going forward from this episode, we're going to be doing a lot of states, locations, legends. Yeah, um, I had this idea. I was like, why don't we do like start with each state and do like a legend or a haunting in that state? I do kind of have like a, a list of each state already, but that's like not set in stone. So. Right. I would like to get people's suggestions for their state, like if they have a certain haunting or urban legend they want us to cover, to like email us or contact us through Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Right, yeah. If you have like a something that your state is known for, and or maybe not known for, but right. you would like people to know about it. Yeah, if you have like a local thing or you know just something that doesn't get brought up a lot and you never really hear anything about it, but it's local to your state, so to speak. Yeah, definitely let us know. We'd love to hear what you have to say about it as well as do an episode on it. So tonight we have a really interesting story from Alabama. But before we get into that, let's uh, dive into some spooky scoops. You heard of this uh, big cat that's supposed to be around? (laughs) Of course. Some say it's a puma. Others a giant ape. And still others say it's the sucara. A sucara? It's a new kind of animal to me. That's a famous jungle demon. It tears living animals to shreds with its claws and then feeds upon them. Has been known to attack humans also. Hasn't so far, I hope. No. But I'm sure it will. Alright, so my story comes from Coast to Coast. And it talks about a DNA study finds one theory of the Loch Ness Monster plausible. The results of an environmental DNA study of Loch Ness will officially be released in a few weeks. The scientist behind the project, Professor Neil Gamel of New Zealand, collected 250 water samples. Of those 250 samples collected, there was 500 million DNA sequences found. On Wednesday, Gimmel was quoted as saying, There has been over a thousand reported sightings of something in Loch Ness, which has driven this notion of a monster being in the water. He said, From those sightings, there were about four main explanations about what has been seen. After this research, essentially discounted most of those theories. However, one theory remains plausible. So this really kind of puts a little more science behind what has been seen and hopefully in a few weeks we'll have some sort of answer maybe. A few weeks? Is that how quick they test DNA? It's like a couple weeks? Oh, I, I think all the testing's already been done from I what I read. I think it's done in like 30 minutes. It is on CSI. <laughs> well, if only everything went as fast <laughs> as CSI on TV. Um, no, I think the report is actually going to be released in a oh, few okay. weeks. So what did they, they're just taking DNA out of the water? So they took 250 water samples Uh and they extracted DNA from those water samples, which resulted in like 500 different... That grosses me out. That's disgusting. What, the water samples? DNA and water samples. Well, just like, you know, 
how they can pull DNA off of like a glass that you drink from or a mouth swab, like on Live PD. Yeah. So they sequenced 500 million different DNA samples, so to speak, from that, and then started making cuts as to you know obviously it's not some fish or something like that or so hopefully we'll have some sort of answer in the following weeks what do you have okay so mine is about Loch Ness too which is kind of weird we both got that um June 27th a boat skipper named Mike Bell he was taking a group of tourists out on the water and he believes that his sonar picked up the Loch Ness Monster. It was said to be 115 feet beneath the surface. He said he circled around again to scan the same area, but it was gone, of course. They estimate that the size of the object was about 25 feet in length. He was quoted as saying, an object of that size I would think is way too big for the normal species in the loch. It must have been about five or six minutes we spent trying to pick up this creature again. Which is crazy. It can be that big and then it just disappears. I mean, I don't know how big it is. The Loch Ness. What is it? Loch Ness Monster? No. Nessie? No, the the lake. It's called Loch Ness Lake. It's Loch Ness. Is that right? Loch is like the... (laughs) But, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And that's, you know, been an ongoing thing with you know Nessie is you know it's in this lake that supposedly has no outlet and yet she's the bigfoot of the Loch Ness right I'm gonna make a t-shirt Nessie the bigfoot of the Loch Ness it's yeah it's an ongoing thing where you know it's centralized to this one area but Yet there's still no concrete evidence. Right. And then things like that happen. Like, you know, someone picks it up on sonar and, you know, never is, never again. Right. There and gone. I wonder, I wonder is, do people actually know how deep it is? I know. Could I'm because, sure they do. Because it goes pretty far down. But yet, you know, they're, they're not able to... I mean, then there's how many TV shows and everything else has been out there trying to find it. I honestly don't know if I've watched many shows on it. So I really have no knowledge, to be honest. Well, you're not really into the whole cryptid thing. I'm not. I'm getting really distracted by this clickbait, though. It says, deadly sex habit is killing off our seniors. <laughs> Do not let me click that. No. I'm getting distracted by it. Okay, switch. All Does right. it? Aren't you interested? No, not, not <laughs> like in the least. But all right, on that note, let's uh, dive into our main topic of the night on a completely different realm <laughs> and talk about the Dead Children's Playground in Huntsville, Alabama. sudden draft from a window that was supposed to have been closed. A chill at the back of the neck. Groans, creaks, and bumps in the night. Man has always been frightened by the dark. Troubled by noises just beyond the reach of lights. Occurrences just beyond the reach of understanding. So we're going to be discussing the dead children's playground in Huntsville, Alabama. 
I actually had some clients just move down that area. I guess it's been like a year. I should send them there. Right. Go get go get us some uh, evidence and some right. pictures. They would and... never do that. <laughs> Most people wouldn't do that. No, I'm going to try though. Um, it's not actually called Dead Children's Playground. It's actually Drost or Drost Park. D-R-O-S-T. But Dead Children's Playground sounds so much right. cooler. Yeah, no one's putting up a sign that says Dead Children's Playground, even right. in a cemetery. Right. Um, it's been said that it was lo- it's located in the center of the, of Maple Hill Cemetery, but after looking up stuff, I think it's it's actually adjacent to it. It's not in the center of the cemetery. Right. That, well, that that makes sense too, based on kind of like what it looks like. If you, as soon as you see a picture of it, you can tell there's no way this is in the dead center of the playground. Right. Or center the of the cemetery. Do you know what I learned? This is kind of off topic a little. There's a difference between a graveyard and a cemetery. Do you know the difference? Well, don't leave us hanging. What's the difference? A cemetery is just a cemetery, like out. A graveyard is in a churchyard. So churches have graveyards. And everyone everyone else just has a cemetery. Right. Yeah. I've seen it on Facebook. Oh, it must be true. Right. Um, so this... The Dead Children's Playground, it was built in 1985. In um, 2007, it was actually going to be raised. Raised, like as in plowed down. Because oh. they were gonna, they were trying to make more room for burial plots for this cemetery. But people actually spoke out against it. People in the community, they didn't want it to be done. That's, that's interesting. I did, see, I did kind of see some of that. And I saw that too, that the city kind of took it a step further. Mm. Because they'd actually removed some of the equipment and stuff like that and they actually almost overnight went in and updated some of the equipment kind of replaced some of the swings and stuff like that right and put a little bit of money into it which is good i mean that's you know people taking taking care of their history right um some of the claims of ghosts at the cemetery do you have it's said to be most active between 10, p- 10 p.m. and 3 a.m., which I feel like that's a lot of things. Every, everything, everything's everything, active right. during that time. Uh, swings moving on their own. Ghost lights or orbs seen moving around the park. Some look as if they are sitting on top of the equipment like the slides and then sliding down. Sounds of children playing, laughing, and screaming. Kind of like our son hear, in the background I was say, right if now. If you hear a child <laughs> screaming and laughing and playing in the background of this, it's our son playing Fortnite. Yeah. He has headphones on, so it literally right sounds like he's in the room with us. <laughs> um, there's sounds of footsteps running through the park as if children are running around and playing. And then the sounds of mothers crying and calling for their children. It's interesting, especially a lot of it. I mean, it's one of those places one it's gonna be hard to investigate so a lot of these i feel like would have to be stuff that individuals have seen i don't know if anybody's ever tried to replicate any of this stuff or done a lot of investigations out there because it is in a a cemetery that is currently being used by the by the city Mm -hmm. but what do you have for as in you know, why is this haunted? Is it just because it's in a cemetery? I think or? that's probably some of it. You know, the creep factor. There's a few legends that go with why it's 
haunted. In the 1960s, there was a series of child abductions that took place in Huntsville. This is a story. Uh, none of the children were being found, like dead or alive. They were just disappearing. Um, at that time, there was a quarry located there, which is what well, the um, playground has limestone on three sides. Okay. So the quarry had been closed and it was starting to become overgrown. A guy had been walking through there in the middle of the night or day, I don't know. And he found a small skull that was laying in that quarry area. So after that, they started searching the land and they found several skeletons and decomposing bodies. Uh, the corpses show signs of being tied up, malnourished, the wounds that had started to heal, meaning that they were probably hurt, were healing and then they were murdered. It's said that once they found the bodies, then all of a sudden the disappearances stopped. And many of the, many of the children that were found were eventually buried in Maple Hill Cemetery. Now here's the kicker. There's no proof of any of that ever happening. <laughs> so that's like urban legend. Right. Classic. Yeah, I I wasn't going to say, you know, because I found a lot of the exact same stuff. But then as I went back trying to find news articles, you know, searching during that time period, uh, you know, disappearances during the 60s in right. Huntsville, there's nothing. Right. So what I did find, I'll say, is... In 1962, in Midfield, Alabama, there was a fifth grader named Larry Wayne Thomas and his friend. They were lured into a car during a Little League baseball practice. This guy um, told him, hey, come with me. I'll give you money and you can go buy some soda. So him and the two boys went with a stranger and he pulled up at a gas station. He gave the friend money and sent him into the convenience store to get the soda. Larry stayed in the car. The man drove off with him. Five days later, his body was found wrapped in a blanket and buried in a shallow grave. Sounds familiar, right, to what the legend is? He was found behind the kidnapper's house. The kidnapper was Michael Anthony Mayolis. Sounds good to me. And that was where his body, he was taken from Mayfield, Alabama, which is Midfield, Alabama, which is 108 miles from Huntsville. His body was found in... I'm going to say this wrong. Wanadonga? I don't know. Wanadonga? I, I got have nothing no clue. for you there. 60, his body was found 64 miles from Huntsville. Oh, wow. So Huntsville is kind of in the center of where all this happened. So I feel like some of the legend could have came from that. So, like, that is a big story to happen, especially in the 1960s. Like, I'm sure, crime was bad back then, but I like to think it wasn't so bad. But this guy, like, kidnapping kids and murdering them and burying them. I mean, that story is really going to travel. And with Huntsville being there in the middle, I can see how people would think that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect story for this legend to be based on. Right. I mean, you know, it involves children, missing. Some people are going to kind of know what's ha what happened. People aren't. People are going to make up their own story mm -hmm. of what happened. Right. And another thought is that it's children buried in the cemetery and their spirits are coming over to play on the playground. Right. Um, 
a lot of those children are thought to be victims of the Spanish flu outbreak. It was like huge in Huntsville. It's like in 1918. Um, let's see. I have September 28, 1918. The very first case was reported in Huntsville of the Spanish flu. October 5th, so what, like a week later, there was more than 1,100 cases reported. Oh, wow. By October 13th, every druggist, which I guess would be like a pharmacist. Right. Physician. That's a druggist to something else now, I feel like. Yeah, you don't want to be considered right. called a druggist. <laughs> yeah. Um, all druggists, Phoenicians, physicians, and prescription clerks, except for one, had the Spanish flu. Literally one left in the city. Oh, wow. That's that's crazy and stuff. I mean, right. but, you know, the area, you know, the climate and everything else right. really kind of leans into that. It's just hard to imagine that happening now. But um, it said there's an unknown number of actual deaths in Huntsville because it is literally impossible to count the amount of people that died within that. So that's when a lot of the children came in and had been buried there. So I think that history, you know, that's creepy. So I think a lot of people associate that with the cemetery too. Or I mean the playground. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, it's you know with that many with that many children being buried there, it's you know that that in itself would lead to the children, mm-hmm. you know, to the playground being haunted, right? Even without this whole you know child kidnapping and murder story. Yeah, my thoughts on it are that well, it used to be a quarry in that area, so there's limestone everywhere that said to boost paranormal activity. I mean, it's like almost like you would call the perfect storm, right? You have, you know, a supposed child murder that could be tied into that location, the Spanish flu outbreak, the limestone, you know, the graveyard or right. cemetery because it's not attached to oh, the yeah, church. Cemetery. cemetery, you know, it's it's literally it's the perfect storm it's for like a haunting. Just a good story, really. Right. And you know, Maple Hill Cemetery itself kind of leads to this as well. Yeah, it's actually one of the most haunted cemeteries in Alabama actually I think the US so maybe we should touch base on that a little right just because it's connected they're kind of together yeah because it was it was founded in 1822 it reaches over 100 acres right um it's Alabama's oldest and largest cemetery it was sold to the city by Leroy Pope who is considered the father of Huntsville so the founder of Huntsville and at that point, it was only two acres of land. And it, it's old enough that originally it was just called the burial ground. Yeah, in 1901, it was when it was actually given its name, Maple Hill Cemetery. Um, the oldest intact grave marker is for an infant named Mary Frances Atwood. She was buried there in 1820. Between the Civil War and the 1980, 18- 1980 1918 Spanish flu outbreak that's when the cemetery grew quickly that's when it went from two acres to now over a hundred acres so famous or notable residents we'll say of the cemetery Um, there's five governors of Alabama that are buried there Leroy Leroy Pope who was the father of Huntsville there's 187 Confederate soldiers a known amount of Union soldiers Five United States Senators, ten United States Representatives. 
So that's a lot. I mean, those are like the VIPs, right, of Alabama? Yeah. So let's talk about some of the ghosts of Maple Hill Cemetery. Sure. The most famous ones. Um, Governor Thomas Bibb. His ghostly figure is seen standing at his grave, and a carriage being pulled by four black horses is seen with him inside the carriage. That's a good one. That's uh, that's quite elaborate. Right. That's awesome. Businessman Albert Russell Erskine. He was president of Studebaker Auto. He was civil leader, president of Notre Dame's University's Lay Board. He shot himself after Studebaker went into a receivership after the Great Depression. He was entombed in a mausoleum there in Maple Hill. And it's said that an angel appears on top of his mausoleum at night. These are like fancy ghosts, right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, not your common haunts. Right. Um, Another one is Philip Flanagan, second husband of Miss High Brown Ruet, I believe is how you pronounce it. Her real name is, are you ready? Elizabeth Dell Gibbons Flanagan Jeffries High Brown Ruet. I, I can see where they go with the shortened version of that. Right. She is the Black Widow of Hazel Green. She's said to have killed, don't quote me on it, but I think eight husbands. Which explains her very long name. Right. Um, his spirit roams the cemetery, seeking answers and not knowing why he's dead. Oh, her six husbands. That's how many she killed. Oh. I just see. Um, the last one is Colonel William Hunley. His spirit stands at his grave located by the cemetery office in a Confederate uniform. Sometimes he is seen with his father, which is interesting to me. And he never... St- Speaks, but he does nod to people as they're walking into the office of the cemetery. <laughs> Very interesting. So, what do you think? Do you think Dead Children Playground, haunted by murdered children, children, or more likely Spanish flu related? More likely paranoia from the cemetery. I think it's more people. It's a good story people you know the cemetery is said to be haunted and so why wouldn't the playground or it just makes a good story yeah i think there's more evidence supporting it's related to the spanish flu victims rather right. than murdered children yeah obviously. i mean it's it's right there if the cemetery is going to be haunted there's no reason why you know the playground wouldn't be haunted and if you're you know a child spirit you're gonna be drawn to the playground that's true shoot if you're an adult you would be drawn to the playground now that's not to say that you know there's not a breeze in the air and it's moving the swings that's my thing the swings like so always uh you know if you thought that a swing was haunted every time you saw it moving by itself right you know we'd be overpopulated with children's spirits right but i do think yeah it's more than likely haunted there's no reason why it wouldn't be but i do think it's more spanish flu related all right, so I think that pretty much does it for the Dead Children's Playground. Do you have anything else? No, that's about it. All right, so we did get a text message after our last episode on the 1941 UFO crash, and I'll read that for you now. It says, Great episode, guys, and I subscribe to a paranormal unified field theory that would suggest that all things paranormal are tied together. Aliens, UFOs, cryptids like Bigfoot, ghosts, demons... And, of course, he states that everyone knows UFOs are just flying objects, but main, the main point of that would be 
you know, who's piloting that craft. He states that, I believe there are too many credible witnesses in all these different categories to rule them out. What do you all think about a possible paranormal unified field theory that would connect all things paranormal? And he said, of course, this is from Shaggy. So what do you think about that? I have to go first. (laughs) You have to go first. No, I agree with him. Yeah, I think that all does fall together. It's kind of like a, you know, the a big broad spectrum of the unknown. And I think a lot of people think that way. Albert Einstein did. Did you know that? I did not. He he subscribed to that theory actually. I was reading a story on it like 2 weeks ago. I'm going to have to find it and post it to our page. Right. But hey, if Albert Einstein's for it, Felicia Pittman's for it. There you go. They tie, they go together. Right. We now, do have the same hair today. <laughs> just saying. At the moment, yes. No, I you know I can't argue that. Um, it definitely makes sense for there to be kind of like a, a paranormal ecosystem, so to speak, where everything is ties together. You know, there's no reason, there's no argument against it. I mean, it's almost hard to say anything about it. I think it's something that we we need to down the road do an episode on. Right. And like I said, you know, I like to say I don't believe in aliens, blah, blah, blah. But how could I not if I believe in ghosts? You know, right. I always say that. If I believe in ghosts, I have to believe there's other things out there. Right. I mean, is it a dimensional thing? Is it, you know, is it just it's a paranormal thing? I mean, really? And so I think, I think we're going to save our thoughts on that. Yeah, we'll and, have to do an episode and, on that. You know, and touch back on it later on a different episode. So thanks for uh, thanks for texting us, and uh, definitely going to be doing an episode on that. Uh, next up, we got an email from Tracy O'Quinn. Said, "Hey guys, just want to let you know I loved your episode about the 1941 UFO crash, and she felt bad for us <laughs> that we never get emails, so she wanted to let us know. Great, she's so nice. Good job on the show, you guys are awesome. I'm glad she listened to my whining about right." <laughs> Everybody should check out. She has a new podcast. It's called The Tracy O Show. Did you mention that? No, I did not. So, actually, it's new. Like, just two weeks, maybe. Oh, wow. So, everybody should check her out. She's awesome. She's like a... She was the local radio personality here. She's moved on from that, but now she's getting into podcasting. So, I'm hoping to do some things with her in the upcoming months. So Yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. We're going we're gonna to try to get together. She's and- just awesome. She has the best radio voice, and I'm so jealous of that because I have this voice. No, your radio voice is great. Best horrible accent that I have. Best voice in podcast. Shut up. <laughs> everyone, everyone you're needs to. Because you're married to me. Everyone needs to write in, email, <laughs> no, text don't. us, snail mail. Let it. her know how great her podcasting no, voice up. is. Uh, no, you can find. I know you can find her show on iTunes. Beyond that, that's where I get the majority of my mm-hmm. all my podcasts. So I don't really search too far beyond that. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, subscribe, give it a listen. I'm sure that you guys will enjoy it. Yes, she is super funny. All right, so that kind of wraps it up for texts and emails. And if people want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Um, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Until Dawn Podcast. And if they want to send us an email, it's Until Dawn Podcast at gmail.com or 
you can just send us a text message at 913-703-DAWN. And it doesn't have to be a text message either. You can actually call that number and leave a voicemail, and we'll play it on the episode. I think Jason Koopsik's the only person so far that's done that. I think so. But you could be but number two. But he is our only friend, I believe. Yeah, I said that he last is, time. Yeah, he did. He did tell us that he's our only friend. I think friend. I said it. Oh, is this you? Yeah. So you could be number two in people that have actually left us a voicemail. <laughs> and last but not least, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. It does make it easier for other people to find us. And it makes our podcast pop up in searches quicker. And if you want to help out the podcast, that's the easiest way to do it. All right. So until next time, I'm Koi. I'm Felicia. And this is Until Dawn. Yeah.